37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Pixelated Paranormal. I am Sean, and I'm not by myself on this episode. Preston's back. Fuck yeah, guys. I got, uh, finally got the fucking internet fixed over here. Jesus, it was like a three-week process, and uh, you know nobody wanted to change out my router, so I pissed and I moaned, and I, I said a few things I probably shouldn't have said, and I got the internet company <laughs> to replace all of my equipment. Um, they started over and gave me a fresh new install, and what do you know? My internet's working again. So Wait, so since this afternoon, they have come out and done more work for you? Uh, no, since last night, did they stay okay. till like, oh, yeah, yeah. they stay till seven o'clock last night, like both texts and they were wow. pissed and I'm just like, nope, sorry, Charlie. Um, you guys got to fix this fucking issue. Yeah. Your listeners need you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I, that's what I said too. After the guy hung up on the phone, he hung up on me and I might've dropped a couple F bombs and I might've got heated. But then when I called him back and I'm like, listen, mother effort, don't ever hang up on me again, because let me tell you what, this is a three week issue and I should be your number one priority. Like priority number one is coming out here. So I don't care if Mrs. Jones called you and said, Oh my God, my internet's out. Like fuck Miss Jones. Her internet just went out today. I haven't had internet for three weeks. So you need to fix it. You need to fix it now because not only do my kids depend on the internet to be able to do their homework, which they haven't been able to do, but Ooh. I do a podcast and I haven't been on this show for three solid weeks because I have no goddamn internet. And then the guy's like, <laughs> oh, I'm so, oh my God, I'm, so, I'm sending two texts out right now and we're just going to go ahead and replace the router, even though we don't think that's what, I don't care what you think, fix the fucking issue. And lo and behold... Daddy's got internet, so. Ooh, baby. Now you realize after you say that, it's going to cut out halfway through this recording. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> so, you know. No, but we, we, we will make some haste because there is another gigantic storm that's at least going to pass by, uh, you know, the two towns that we live in. So hopefully it doesn't knock anything back out because, golly jeepers, it is harder than shit to do a show by yourself. Especially, I don't know if you guys can tell, but... <laughs> I was not prepared to go by myself, so. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> hello, folks. Uh, my name's Sean, and, uh, oh, my name's Sean. Sean, how are you, Sean? Sean, I'm good, Sean. <laughs> We're going to talk about paranormal, Sean. Okay, Sean. It wasn't too far from that. <laughs> <laughs> I think episode 210, um, I don't remember if I was feverish or not, but I had kind of a. A pretty good episode. I'm, I, I like what I uh, like what I did on that one. So, and then the the time I think on two twelve that one, uh, you know, just a solid landing. Like they say, anytime you land the plane's a good landing, even if it's a bumpy one. Yeah, just got <laughs> to touch the plane. Yeah, those wheels just got to touch the ground, baby. That's all that matters. Yeah, the runway was short, and I was running out of space. That's for damn sure. Well, I'm glad you're back, man. Uh, super, super good to have someone to talk to, and it's it's really great to have you back on. So, well, it's good to be back. So, 
Well, let's just kick the door down right now because I wanted to wait till Steve was on the show to go over this uh, message we got from a listener, but it's been almost a month that we haven't mentioned it, and I feel like a, a jackass for not bringing this up. But at the top, we want to give a shout-out to Lindsay Nicole. Lindsay messaged us back on October 1st and said, I'm loving this podcast. Melody, another listener, recommended it to me, and I can't get enough. I love your guys' dynamic. I'm headed back to episode one after listening to the most recent two episodes. Can't get enough. So Ooh. the real test is, did Ooh. she just quit cold turkey after like the first couple episodes? Yeah. <laughs> the world may never know. You know, I, I think uh, we caught our strive. I think I always say this because we always have listeners that are like, oh, my God, we're going back to episode one. And we all cringe when we hear that. And I think every time I always say, like, dude, we caught our stride. Like, we got hit gold, like, when we started doing the Krypton Encounters. Mm -hmm. And we kind of changed that format a little bit um, where we we did more, like, reenactments and things like that. Like, it took us a hot minute to kind of figure out, like, you know, how to talk <laughs> into a microphone and not be like, ba-derba-derba-derba-derba. Um but the, the early ones are a little rough. Like, thank God we had Rob on there because he was the professional at the time, and uh, <laughs> just right. uh, you know carried the carried the the weight for us on on those episodes. But you know, episode forty, forty five, somewhere in there, like things started to pick up and look at us now. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I always think that like I got super comfortable, and I think you got super comfortable right around the time Rob started kind of pulling away a little bit, which was kind of scary. It's like dad or mom taking their hands off your back when, yeah. you know, the training wheels just came off. Uh, fuck you guys. I'm tired of this. You got it. <laughs> well, thanks, Kentucky gentlemen. I think like, we man, do. Rob, we got a pretty good show going. People listen who are not just our friends. That's cool. I've been podcasting for 15 years. Fuck you. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and that, friends, is the spark notes of how that happened. Yep, pretty much. Well, Lindsay, uh, we're super happy that you're listening, number one. Thanks for taking the time to message us. We really appreciate it. And I believe you also messaged us a second time and said, talk Egypt to you. So we'll have to do some more Egyptian stuff, which, Presto, that's really your uh, forte oh, yeah. more than me. But Oh, yeah. Well, we got a good show. Preston, you kind of spearheaded the beginning of this one. But before we get into it... I got a little news story that I've been sitting on for a while, and I want to say thanks to my beautiful darling wife, Shayla, because she's the one that tagged us in this, and I'm not sure if you read this yet. But apparently a man in a Chinese town I can't pronounce, I'm going to go with Xinghui in East China's Jiangsu province, recently was rushed to the hospital when he inserted a 20-centimeter-long eel into his rectum from his anus. Mm in hopes of relieving constipation, but instead almost lost his life when the eel entered his abdomen. Ugh. Now, what motivated this guy to stick an eel up his bunghole is the fact that apparently that is a well-known folk remedy, which people say inserting an eel into your butt can help you with constipation by promoting a bowel movement. But instead of curing the constipation the man is suffering, the eel went further into the man's rectum, through the colon, and then bit a hole through his colon, then entering his abdomen. Ugh. 
he finally went to the hospital after enduring pain on the first day as he was too shy to see the doctor. That's what he said. I was too shy to go to the doctor. Well, I don't blame you for being embarrassed. Uh, um, funny, funny That's story with my, uh, my cousin, Matt, uh, he worked, uh, <laughs> in the ER, uh, uh-huh. for years and, uh, he, he's, he's done a lot of different things. So he started off in the ER and then he went to, uh, being the head nurse for like the children's cancer ward. And then oh, yeah. now he works for St. Francis, but he works for their clinical uh, studies, like their trials. Oh, wow. So, mm-hmm. like, right now, like, they're doing a, a clinical study trial on schizophrenia and PTSD. So, like, he comes oh. in and either one day he's giving you placebo or, like, one day he's giving you an exper- you know, experimental drug and they're trying to figure it out. So, you know, he, he's really excited about all the crazy stuff he's doing now. But I love the stories from when he first started and he worked in the ER because they actually had a kid come in one night to the ER from a frat party and they had to pull oh, a no. dead gerbil out of his ass. So, yeah. And how do you excuse that? Is it the old-fashioned, uh, I just got out of the shower and didn't realize that Fluffy was running around inside my bedroom. I slipped and fell and landed right on him. Uh, no, he woke up and said, uh, listen, guys, uh, I had one hell of a night. Uh, they got me fucking pissed drunk, and uh, I didn't know what the <laughs> hell happened. So uh, what what happened? They're like, we pulled the gerbil out of your ass. And he oh. turned like you know five shades of white. He was just like, oh, my God, a gerbil in my ass. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, here's the problem with sticking anything up your butt, live or dead, that's not supposed to be there. The doctor who gave this guy the life-saving operation said he could have lost his life from the bacteria alone in the large intestine, mm. which could cause hem- hemolysis, hemolysis when it reaches the abdominal cavity. The eel, surprisingly, was still alive by the time they removed it during the operation. But it appears this man is not the only victim of the old-fashioned folk remedy that says inserting eels into your rectum can cure constipation. In June of 2020, a man in his 50s also inserted an Asian swamp eel into his own anus, which then entered his abdominal cavity. Following the injury, feces and pus had entered the cavity, giving him a severe, almost life-ending infection. Because he had inserted the live eel into himself, the chances of him dying were quite high had he not had the surgery just in time. He inserted it up through his anus into his rectum, and I suspect it was then that the perforation in his sigmoid colon had occurred. Now, you know, we can't end things right there because apparently in June of 2020, an African carp was found in the stomach of a young man in Guangdong who claimed the fish slid into his rectum when he accidentally sat on it. Hmm. Accidentally. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it was coated in petroleum jelly. I just know I sat on it. So do you think that... Um, uh, I, I'm just going to just kind of, you know, reach for the stars here. And then maybe mm-hmm. through the years, because, you know, all these different folk remedies, um, you know, we have them over here in the United States, right? There's all sorts of, like, weird shit that you can do, like, when you have a cold... Blah, blah, blah. 
And mm-hmm. do you think that it got lost throughout history? Like maybe what they meant to say was if like a doctor grabbed a hold of an electric eel and they shoved like the head of the electric eel up your ass and then it shocked you, <laughs> like that would cause you to shit yourself. And then somebody's <laughs> like, oh, it's just, any eel, guys, just, uh, yeah, just go into water. It, uh, what's this, a swamp eel? It'll be fine. Just shove it up Jerry's ass and let's see what happens. I would go on to say that you're probably on the right path here. I bet you you go to the doctor and you're like, Doc, I haven't taken a shit in like four days. Ooh, my uh, power's flickering. I haven't taken a shit in four days, Doc. What should I do? And he's like, all right, well, put your pants around your ankles. Now bend over the table. Take a deep breath. And the doctor puts a bucket behind you. And he splashes around in the water a little bit that's in the bucket. And you're like, what the fuck's that? And he's like, don't worry. I'm just going to shove an eel up your ass. And you're just like, oh, no. And then the doctor kind of gives you a pat on the back. And he's like, you dumbass. There was never an eel. But your pipes are now clean. Yeah. And somehow that got lost through the ages. And then it became a thing of like, no, my Uncle Tim said he went to the doctor once. The doctor said you could put an eel up your bunghole. And that'd make you poop a little bit better. And that is why there's a shortage of eight-inch eels. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, who knows why people do the things they do. But we are not at all suggesting or referring or <laughs> prescribing the use of electric eels anywhere near your booty hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of the uh, late 1800s, like especially here. Uh, we, we talked about the... Uh, uh, goat testicle, testicle doctor, Dr. Brinkley. Yeah, he'd put the goat balls in your scrotum if you had problems with your... Uh, your yeah, your pecker get, getting up. Your pe- and, uh, <laughs> well, I don't he, even uh, try to be coy anymore. <laughs> yeah, he he, uh, he started out actually because like back then when you went to a sanatorium and like you were depressed or mm-hmm. like, you know, whatever, you had common cold and you or you know, whatever ail was ailing you, they were just like, you need an enema. And that was like their <laughs> cure-all for everything. So like back in the 1800s, right. like, I don't know, like, I, I think I have seasonal depression. Nope, you just need something up your ass. You'll feel better. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have tuberculosis. I got to cure. It's going to be this giant metal rod right up your ass, and we're going to put some juice in there, baby. <laughs> Boy, hey, have mean... we come a long way. Yeah. I always thought of it as an exit, but maybe it's the entrance to a better life. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> womp womp. Womp womp. Well, there you go. That's our one and only news story, because how do you follow that up? So, Presto, uh, how do you want to intro this uh, next story, man? Because you came across this, and it kind of has... It was supposed to be part of a different episode, and then we kind of pulled it. So, I mean, does this kind of go on the tails of hoaxes or how do you want to do that i mean yeah i'm gonna tell a story you're gonna tell a story is one of them real is one of them bullshit are they both real are they both bullshit we don't know because like i told my daughter (laughs) we're all about speculation in this show and uh (laughs) i i came came across this uh, uh story about a small town in uh kansas called ashley and i was like holy fuck this is a wild ride and then we need to put together a show real quick. And I'm like, dude, I, I think this is what we should do. You know, is, uh, <laughs> you know, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Some weird shit's going on. And uh, 
So, yeah, I think we should leave it up to the listeners. Like, I'm not going to say shit. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. Um, we're just going to go to it. You're going to go to it. And uh, I don't know. What do we – so we don't reveal this at the end of the episode then? We just uh... – because mine, you didn't obviously read mine. <laughs> mine kind of answers if yours is real or not. Oh. <laughs> Which is fine. All right, man. Well, you you get after it here, and then uh, let's see where we go. Sometime during the night of August 16th, 1952, the small town of Ashley, Kansas, ceased to exist. At 3.28 a.m. on August 17, 1952, a magnitude 7.9 earthquake was measured by the United States Geological Survey. The earthquake itself was felt throughout the state and most of the Midwest. The epicenter was determined to be directly under Ashley, Kansas. When state law enforcement arrived at what should have been the outskirts of the farming community, they found a smoldering, burning fissure in the earth measuring 1,000 yards in length and approximately 500 yards in width. The depth of the fissure was never determined. After 12 days, the statewide and local search of the missing 679 residents of Ashley, Kansas, was called off by the Kansas State government at 9.15 p.m. on the night of August 29, 1952. All 679 residents were assumed to be dead, and at 2.27 a.m. on August 30th, a magnitude 7.5 earthquake was measured. Oh, did I already read that? Um, nope, nope, keep going. No, no, I guess not. <laughs> All 679 residents were assumed dead. At 2.27 a.m. on August 30th, 1952, a magnitude 7.5 earthquake was measured by the United States Geological Survey. The epicenter was situated under what used to be the location of Ashley, Kansas. When law enforcement investigated at 5.32 a.m., they reported that the fissure in the earth had closed. In the eight days up to the disappearance of the town and its 679 residents, bizarre and unexplainable events, kind of like the X-Files, were reported <laughs> by dozens of residents in Ashley, Kansas, and law enforcement from the surrounding area. On the evening of August 8th, at 7.13 p.m., a resident by the name of Gabriel Jonathan reported a strange light in the sky above Ashley. The town itself, having no official branch of law enforcement, because Poduck, Kansas, called into the police station of the neighboring town of Hayes. Go, go Tigers. I think Hayes, Hayes are the Tigers. Anyways, uh, Gabriel reported what appeared to be a small black opening in the sky. Within the next 15 minutes, the Hayes police station became overwhelmed with dozens of phone calls all reporting the same phenomenon. The phenomenon was never reported by any neighboring community. A decision was made to send a trooper to Ashley to investigate the matter the following morning. 7.45 a.m., the morning of August 9th, Hayes Police Officer Alan Mace radioed the Hayes Police Station. He reported that despite following the one-way road leading into Ashley, he had become lost. According to his report, the road continued along its normal path, but somehow ended back up in Hayes. 
Officer Mace went to add that the road never curved or bent in any direction, was just running, you know, north-south or east-west. I, I don't know, you know, <laughs> Mace to Ashley geographical location, but you get the idea. At 9.15 a.m., seven of the town's police cars were sent to investigate the situation, and all members of the team came to the same conclusion. The only road leading into Ashley stopped leading into the town, but instead led back to the city of Hayes. Phone calls continued to pour into Hayes Police Station, all reporting that the black opening in the sky continued to grow in size. Oh my God. All callers were advised to remain inside. Don't travel outside unless it was absolutely necessary. 8.17 p.m. Miss Elaine Kantner reported her neighbors, Mr. and Mrs. Milton, and their two children, Jeffrey and Brooke, went missing. According to Mrs. Cranton's phone call, the Miltons attempted to leave the town and their family car earlier that evening. They never returned. Law enforcement officials from Hayes never reported the car or individuals coming up the one-way road. At 7.38 a.m. on the morning of August 10th, phone calls from Ashley into Hayes Police Station reported that the town was in total, total darkness. The sun had never risen, and at 10.15 a.m. at request of Hayes Law Enforcement, a helicopter from Topeka, Kansas, flew over the region in which Ashley, Kansas stood. The town was never observed from air. 12.43 p.m. on the afternoon of August 11th, Miss Phoebe Daniel Lesky called into the Hayes Police Station. She reported that her daughter Erica had begun to have conversations with her father, who died three years prior in a drunk driving accident. <laughs> to add to her concern, Miss Daniel Lesky reported that Erica was attempting to go outside into the dark to join them. Over the course of the next 12 hours, a reported 329 phone calls were placed into Hayes Police Station, all describing similar phenomenon with the children of the town. The following morning, August 12th, 1952, the situation became dire. During the middle of the night, all 217 children in the town of Ashley, Kansas, disappeared. A reported 421 phone calls were placed to the Hayes Police Department. Unable to be any useful assistance, Hayes Law Enforcement instructed all callers to remain inside their goddamn house and to avoid any <laughs> attempts at finding the missing children. Fuck them. Stay inside. Don't go anywhere. 5.19 p.m. on the evening of August 13, 1952, Ashley's elder, an Ashley elderly man named Scott Lutz reported a glowing distant fire to the south. According to his description, the fire seemed to turn the distant black into bright red and orange that seemed to extend high into the sky. Throughout the rest of the day, calls continued stating that the fire, in addition to moving north, seemed to come out of the black sky, but no fire was ever witnessed by any of the neighboring communities or law enforcement officials. The report continued until 12.09 a.m. on the morning of August 14th. The last phone call placed by Benjamin Endicott, reported that the fire in the sky had grown so intense that it began to appear as daytime over the town, and then the phone call ended abruptly. Now, just hold on. Wait. 
Yeah, yeah, I see something. It's to the south. It, it looks like... The next phone call wouldn't be placed until the following evening. The following is the entire transcript of the final phone call to be received by the Hayes Police Department out of the town of Ashley, Kansas. It was placed at 9.46 p.m. on the evening of August 15, 1952. In this recorded phone call, the officer on duty is Officer Peter Welsh. The caller has been identified as Miss April Foster. And we're lucky enough to have the actual transcript recording from the phone call. Oh, so we don't have to we don't have to act it out? No. <laughs> That's the joke. Then it clearly goes into us fucking around. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh wait fuck. a minute. Is there something I don't know about here? Like, fuck, our just job just got easier. Okay, take it away. No, 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 no. Okay. Hayes Police Department. Hello? Yes, yes, hello? Ma'am, who am I speaking with? My, my name is April, April Foster. <coughs> please, sir, please help me. Well, what's happening, ma'am? Oh, last night. Oh, my God. Last night, they came back. Ma'am, ma'am, I'm going to need you to... Last night, they came back! Ma'am, ma'am, I'm going to need you to calm down and speak clearly what happened. Who came back? Oh, my God. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone? What? They all came in the fire. What do you mean, Everyone. My son, I saw him last night. He was walking. He was walking down the goddamn street. He was burned. Jesus Christ. He he was burned. Now, ma'am, I'm gonna... He died last year. I raised him. I raised him since he was a baby. And let me tell you, I it was just me and him. And I told him, watch for cars. Watch for cars when he rode his bike. But he never, he never wanted to listen. Ma'am, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. You said everyone came back. Are you fucking listening to me? Are you? Everyone. Every goddamn person came back. Everyone who died went missing. They're, oh my God, they're back. And they're looking for us. Oh God. He said, he said, Mommy, Mommy, I'm okay now. See, oh my God, I, I can walk again. Where are you, Mommy? I, oh, I, I just want to see you. Ma'am, where are you now? Uh, are you safe? Uh, I'm hiding, just like everyone else. Oh, God. We saw them as they were coming through the field, and uh, uh, people opened the doors for them, and, oh, God, the screaming. I I don't know what happened to them, but, oh, God, their their houses caught fire, and oh, they caved in, and, and my curtains were uh, Okay, I'm hiding in the closet now. Ma'am, is, is everything all right? Are, are you okay? Ma'am? Oh, oh God! Oh my God! Ma'am, something, something! Ma'am, stay as quiet as you can and don't make a sound. Mommy, mommy! Oh, oh God! He, he, he came inside. Stay, stay absolutely still and don't leave. Mommy, mommy, where are you hiding? Stay quiet. I found you, Mommy! Ma'am? Ma'am? Sorry, the number you have reached is not in service. Please check the number and dial again. F-P-O-K. The following morning, at 6.55 a.m., 
the law enforcement officials of the Hayes Police Department arrived at the location of Ashley, Kansas. A smoldering, burning fissure in the earth was all that remained. Ooh, thank goodness we had that historical archived phone call. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> uh, okay, that's a good one. That I like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, presto. <laughs> I mean, do we just give up the ghost right here? Because my intro is <laughs> a segue into my story. <laughs> Well, Presto, oddly enough, sometimes fiction is still based on fact. Did you ever hear the old story about Centralia, Pennsylvania? Nope. Maybe pronounced Centralia? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the early 60s, the borough of Centralia was just like any number of coal region towns in Pennsylvania. The community was roughly about 1,500 people, small, tight-knit, who took a lot of pride in their small-town community. Now, on Sunday, May 27, 1962, just 10 years after the supposed disappearance of Ashley, Kansas, the people of Centralia were putting together the final touches on their Memorial Day festival, which is supposed to take place later that day. Now, when they realized that during their final stages of preparations, there was just one little bitty problem they still hadn't dealt with. The cleanup of the giant landfill that still hadn't been taken care of before the evening celebration. Clearly, they hadn't watched Futurama at that point, because we all know (laughs) that if you have a problem with the landfill, you just pile all that shit into a ball shove it on the end of a rocket and just blast that shit into outer space. Yeah. Yeah. What were they thinking? Yeah. (laughs) Now, every year, they always met to make the decision on how to clean up the landfill, where to move it to, or what they could do to make it less of an aesthetic burden on the town, right? And in this specific year, 1962... The town council had met earlier that month to discuss the best way to finally clean up this 300-foot-wide, 75-foot-long trash pit. And after much deliberation, they ultimately decided the best way to take care of this giant landfill full of trash and garbage is to just catch it on fire. Fuck yeah, fire! Yeah! Now, this isn't too surprising, as burning trash was a common practice back then, and still is. But also because in the 60s, we just didn't give a shit about the ozone layer. What the fuck's an ozone layer, dude? No, we don't know. We're too busy burning trash and smoking the devil's lettuce. Yeah. But there's just one other itsy-bitsy detail down the road that the officials of Centralia had overlooked. Now, several years before, Centralia had been a major coal mining area, and the landfill was located on top of a defunct old coal mine. But this didn't stop them from carrying out their master plan. (laughs) And so, they set fire to the landfill on May 25th, and they took what they thought were the proper precautions, using giant hoses to spray out the flames to keep the fire under control. That way it didn't spread too far too fast. And they spent that afternoon waiting 
for the smoldering trash to burn itself out. But little did they know. Uh, yeah, that's dumb. But little did they know the fire would go on to latch onto an old coal seam from the previous mine and slowly begin to spread the fire throughout the empty mines under the city. And as we all know, coal is a natural fire accelerant. Well, even though the visible flames were doused throughout the day on the 25th, more fires began popping up four days later on the 29th. This pattern of putting out fires just to find them sprouting up again days later would continue on for weeks. And then there weren't any more visible fires, but residents would still complain about the constant smell of smoldering trash and coal burning. Authorities would go on to try for years to extinguish this fire. They'd pump water into the mines trying to flood it. They'd cover the surface with clay, seeking out ways to smother the blaze. They'd pump a slurry of ash and water and rocks into the mines, but no matter what they tried, nothing would work. The underground mines and the coal seams would just continue to sit there and smolder and smolder and burn. The full extent of the problem wasn't realized until years later in 1979, when a gas station owner in Centralia measured the temperature of the gas in his underground containers to be almost 100 degrees above the normal temperature it was supposed to be stored at. Then the situation would go on to escalate a little further when a 150-foot deep sinkhole opened up beneath an unsuspecting 12-year-old boy. Now, fortunately, the boy would escape without dying. Fortunately, the boy would escape death. But that was the last straw for many residents of the town. Eventually, they had no other choice but to give up, and the city would then have to be condemned. The destruction of the Centralia mine fire had led the city to having to be abandoned. Families were relocated to the neighboring towns because the fire continued to burn around the community, increasing levels of toxic and nauseous gases like carbon monoxide that were in extremely dangerous levels. By 1990, only 63 residents remained, and then 20 years later, by 2012, there would go on to be only 10 people left in Centralia. As of 2013, there were a mere seven residents allowed to remain in the city. See, they had a big legal battle with eminent domain, and some of these old-timers just didn't want to give up. Because, damn it, I worked my ass off, I bought this house, I paid this house off, and ain't nobody gonna kick me out of my own goddamn house. So, without any other real legal authority, certain families were allowed to stay. Now, recently, two more residents have passed away, and that means only five people were remaining as of about three years ago. The surface of the streets are no longer hot like they were since the fires had moved down deeper and deeper into the earth, but today smoke can still be found creeping out of the ground in certain places. Like the three cemeteries that are seen still intact inside the city limits, smoke can be seen steeping and slithering out from underneath headstones and grave markers. The ground has been so weakened by half a century of fire 
that a sinkhole can open up any time at any moment, and portions of the famous Route 61 had to be closed and redirected, since even the highway leading into town had become very weakened and no longer safe to drive on. And since the coal produces deadly carbon monoxide, the air isn't safe to breathe in certain areas of the town. Now what's bizarre here, in fact, is that not only did half the town burn down, but mine fires are still burning on every continent except Antarctica. But not all of them resulted in the ghost town of Centralia, Pennsylvania. So presto, it seems as though your story could be based slightly off of fact indeed. Yeah, I actually, uh, when I was trying to find this, you know, the the Ashley, Kansas story, um, yep. I had actually come across something very similar. There's an actual town. Um, it's on the border between uh, Kansas and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole town used to be called Pitcher, Oklahoma, but then when they moved the state lines, um, part of the town was moved into Kansas, and so um, it was called Schultz. Um, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, me, yeah. Uh, let me make sure that I have that right. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it just has the same town. So there's a, a Pritcher, Oklahoma, and then Pritcher, uh, Kansas. And mm-hmm. um, so they had, during like World War One, they had discovered that uh, there was like a, a bunch of uh, lead underground. So they started mining like the fuck out of it. And oh, it yeah, yeah. Le- leached all these like toxins into the ground. And then oh, it no. caused like sink sinkholes. And so... Um, a lot of like the town residents, like they have stomach cancer, they have like colon cancer, they, oh, you know, no. there's all these like health, but then the government's never actually gone in and said exactly like, yes, 100%, the fact that the lead has bleached the groundwater, that that's what's causing all like these health problems. Uh-huh. But because of all the sinkholes, they finally went in and said, no, we're going to like buy out the town. And uh, so there's like two families left. And then in like 2013, um, they had a auctioneer company come in and like somebody bought the bell from the steeple of the church for like 10 bucks. And there's like <laughs> yeah. one fucking lady's like, we've been in this town our whole entire life, 80 goddamn years and ain't nobody moving us. And we had to put up, don't bold that, you know, don't bold down this, uh, bulldoze down this property because they, the city decided to go ahead and get rid of all the houses because the crackheads, they were going to come in and sell crack and live out of it. And so we had to block off our property. And so there's like just one fucking old lady and her husband living in this town that's like, you know, <laughs> I don't, not safe. Well, the government don't know. So we're just going to go ahead and drink the water. Oh. Yeah. Well, so even Kansas, even Kansas has a, you know, like a coal mine town that's like fucking going to shit. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if we did enough. Poor pun. If we did enough digging, we'd see that there's so many mines underneath. My dog is asleep snoring. There's so many towns that have, you know, mines underneath them across the whole U.S. alone. I mean, you know, Mammoth Cave runs how far across the U.S.? I mean, damn near all the way across from Kentucky all the way westward. So, yeah, I don't think it'd be honestly that surprising, you know, to see that. But, damn, that's wicked. Yeah. 
Well, buddy, it's good to have you back. I'm so oh, happy good to I'm be no back. longer by myself. Yeah, 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 dude. Hell yeah. And I got a, I got a, I got a couple shows that, um, you know, what's bad because Halloween we were talking about doing like that series, like Surviving Death. So mm-hmm. I have a couple of those shows done, but it's really just going to be when we can line up and get back with Steve because yeah. the, the Blair or the Bell Witch one I want to do with Steve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other stuff is so intensive and there's so many different speaking parts. We got to have we got to have somebody be back sheeps for that, so we can't just do it <laughs> me and you. And then right. uh, Melon Heads we talked about. That's a three. Yeah, we got the right Melon there. Heads and another uh, very famous diminutive creature. Um, man, October. God, I think we're gonna have to just have a super spooky November December to make up for having kind of a yeah. I don't even know kind of a buzzkill October out of the uh, the shows we put out. But yeah, we'll make it up to everybody. Super yeah. spooky November December. How about that? Yeah, I mean we've cool. we've uh, we've talked about mushroom smoking Santa Claus for so many years now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who needs a Christmas special? I mean, hell, yeah. Outside of re-recording that infamous uh, Christmas episode where we went into all the uh, German beliefs and all the um, you know usual suspects, um, Frau Perchta and all that kind of stuff. Outside of re-recording that, man, that that's one of my favorite episodes of all time, and I probably just have Mark just you know, put that bad boy out again as a bonus episode, or people can just go back and find it a couple years back. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Maybe that's where we we hit our, maybe that's where we hit our stride. (laughs) Like that should be like, find that and then go forward. (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry about the rest of the stuff before that. I mean, if you want to listen to episode one or the pilot episode, um, that's great. We we appreciate that. But maybe just uh, jump forward to the Christmas special in 2017, I think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, just roll that bad boy forward from there. There you go. There yeah. you go. I mean, I think listening to all the episodes – sorry, I still have a little bit of a cough. Um, listening to all the episodes is still good. I think there's some real yeah. gems in there, you know, before that, but um, – now you got me curious. I wonder what episode that was. Uh, much ado about it. Man, was that? That wasn't 2016. It couldn't have been that long ago that we put out that Christmas special. Could no, it? I think I think it was 17. I think it was 17. No, I think it was episode number 17, dude. I think that's why you got the number 17 on <laughs> number 17 on the brain because it says that episode. In this episode, Sean and Preston take a trip down a trip in time to examine the inspiration behind modern-day incarnations of Santa Claus. Discuss some real, some of the jolly fat, if I could just fucking read, discuss some of the jolly fat man's traditional dastardly companions, psychedelic mushrooms, and more. Cheers. Marry whatever it is you celebrate and enjoy the show. Well, fuck me. You're right. It is. I got I got yeah. on the YouTube channel, and there's me with my snowman outfit smoking a, smoking <laughs> yeah. a pipe. Yeah, man. So, I mean, shit, maybe we hit our stride around 17. Who knows? Because oh, yeah. Rob would have ducked out around there off and on a little bit. Man. Uh, we started doing happy hours that lasted for maybe one or two. Yeah. <laughs> Whoopsies. Um, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that episode, man. In this bonus episode, Sean and Preston are joined by Pixelated Radio's very own Corey and both hosts of the Owen Deed podcast, Stephen and Brady. 
they all sit down uh the non-existent table oh that was a that was a round table i think yeah wow man i forgot we did a couple of those hell yeah oh well boy howdy i might just stay up all night just going back and looking over everything we talked about <laughs> the problem is way back then that was when we had so many misnomers for uh episode titles what do horses dream of pygmies birdies and bowies I am no scientist, but dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm proud of us. Look at us go. Oh. (laughs) Well, let's get out of here, buddy, because I'm going to edit this bad boy before the storm comes, and hopefully the power doesn't get shut out, and I'd love to have you send me over your recording before your internet. Well, I don't even want to say it. I'm not even going to jinx you. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's not. I don't have a real... Oh, no, hold on. My pipe cabinet's made out of real wood. Let me go ahead and... Give that a couple knocks right there. Okay, we're good. We're good. Hell yeah. There we go. Cool. All right, guys. Well, check us out on the old Instagram, PXL Paranormal. That's where you're going to find a lot of our episode companions with the uh, the photos and everything else that we put on some of these episodes to kind of give you a visual aid of what we're talking about. Check us out on Facebook, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast on Facebook. Uh, check me out on Instagram as well, Sean Swope. That's one word, S-H-A-W-N-S-W-O-P-E. I am uh, coming on the final home stretch of my 31 horror portraits for Halloween. Presto, what do you got for me, buddy? Get your asses to Mars. I mean, over to YouTube <laughs> and like and subscribe our YouTube channel because we only got 118 subscribers and we need to get that fucking number up. So tell your kids, oh, yeah, tell your wives, tell your, your grandparents, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Tell everybody who will listen, go over to YouTube, like, subscribe, share. And then you got to tell yourself, like, I don't know, my beard just doesn't seem like it's, uh, you know, like an A-plus beard. What do I do? Well, let me tell you, dear (laughs) listeners, if you want a beard, if you want to grow a beard, if you want the best goddamn beard you could possibly have in the, the fucking world... Go over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. And then pick yourself up some scents like Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, Fresh Citrus, Mint, Classic. We're still waiting on, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know sw- Swagger Squash and... Uh, uh, swagger you know, squash swa- swagger 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 i love it uh <laughs> dapper squatch <laughs> yeah there you go whatever i don't know we swagger came up that sounds like something you gotta get a cream for <laughs> oh, i got a bad case of swagger squatch i got a case of the swagger squatch it's uh in there anyways <laughs> really go over there maybe i should use an eel to get rid of it i don't know oh yeah there you go <laughs> that's how we bring it around that's how we bring it around uh, yeah, if you're constipated and can't poop and your beard's looking uh, crappy, then, uh, you know, shove an eel up your ass and put some dobs on your face and then boom. <laughs> well, you're do one of back those in business. things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're no doctors, but I can recommend dobs. Anyways, go check out dobs. You'll love it. We love it. We use it. So. Hell yeah. All right. If you're in the Wichita area, please stop by and see our best, best friend, Leslie down at CD Trade Post. Say hi to her and the rest of the gang at Pawnee and Seneca. We got a couple shows lined up to do with them as well. Golly, COVID just sucks the fun out of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on behalf of Steve, I'd love to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and to those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. 
Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.